Well, let's take our Bibles, and we'll go to our Bibles in just a minute. But first, we'll give an update here on uh, the Cayman Islands trip that I took. Thanks for your prayer. It was a smooth, it was a, a smooth journey going and coming. It was a long trip. Uh, it takes all day to get there and then all day to get back. Three, three different flights uh, going, three different flights coming. Uh, but God blessed in every respect and uh, was able to go uh, see Brother Jeff White. That's W-E-I-G-T. And he was here, I think it was two Octobers ago, if I'm not mistaken, for, as part of our missions trip, no, I'm sorry, missions month. He has had, uh, for the last few years, a burden for the Caribbean. He and his wife and their family, uh, they've ministered all over the Caribbean. Uh, you might remember, um, I told you before, that they had used a boat to get around and uh, had to outrun a hurricane or two. Um, but they have gotten, uh, they're done with the boat, they've gotten rid of the boat, and they're now just hunkered down on one island. And uh, the church that they are helping to restart or revitalize is a church that has been there for about 100 years on this island of, of Cayman Brack. So uh, this is a view from the shore there, it's just beautiful. Everywhere you look, um, it, was, it was just a, a gorgeous scenery. Uh, and when you get on the island, it's like time slows down. Everything slows down. The people, are, they, they don't rush, they don't stress, they live to be 100. <laughs> the rest of us fret and run and die young. Um, <clears throat> but if you're wondering where is Cayman Brack, well, here we go, a little geography. So you see there Cuba, and then Jamaica is in the south, and Haiti. Uh, the Bahamas are on the north side of Cuba. There's a little red dot, and you've got a ridge. Um, it's like an under mountain, underwater mountain range, and it pops up three places, and that's the Cayman Islands. There's Grand Cayman, and then there are the sister islands, Little Cayman and Cayman Brack. Oh, wait, hang on. Here we go. This is what I wanted. So Grand Cayman, and then on the far uh, east side, those two little sister islands. Um, Grand Cayman is the big touristy area with the white sands and all of that. Uh, that's where everybody goes uh, for vacation and whatnot. The two little islands, uh, they don't have much going on. There's really no industry. The only thing they're known for, uh, people go there to snorkel or they go there to scuba dive. That's pretty much it. Um, the island on the west, which would be on the left, Little Cayman, that's got between two and 500 people, so hardly anybody there. Uh, and then Cayman Brack, where I was, has about 2,000 residents, so also very small. We get about 110,000 in a football stadium when Michigan plays. So think about that. 110,000 people in one stadium, 2,000 people in that whole island. Um, so you see up in the north uh, and on the east is Spot Bay. I don't know if you can read that, but it's circled there at the top. And that uh, Spot Bay is where the church is. Um, the, the, uh, the church has been there for about 100 years. Some missionaries came, I want to say they came from Jamaica 100 years ago and planted the church. Uh, praise the Lord for that. And I will tell you this, um, 
the Baptist influence on the island is the prevalent influence. So praise the Lord. There are no Catholic churches. There's no Mormon churches. There's no Jehovah's Witness. Um, there is basically, I think there's uh, six Baptist churches, I want to say, and then a holiness church. There's a Spanish-speaking church, and then there's a Seventh-day Adventist church. And I think I might have covered them all. Um, but the Baptist missionaries that originally came left a huge impact on the island. Uh, but you can't depend on the past. Eventually, things begin to deteriorate, you know. And so there are a lot of people on this island who are very familiar with Christianity and Bible teaching, but maybe have not made that decision for themselves. There's a lot of turnover on the island. Uh, since there is no um, industry on the island, when they have kids and those kids go to school and then they want to do something, there's not a whole lot of jobs on Cayman Brack. So they go to uh, Grand Cayman or they go who knows where, uh, just trying to get a job. They oftentimes do keep their connections. Uh, they never sell their land. They never sell their houses. That'll stay in the family forever. And so even if the kids get spread out, they always come back to make sure that the land is taken care of and uh, they, don't, they don't sell that off. Um, it's a neat culture. It's uh, a lot of sweet people. The pastor White told me, he said, now they're going to work their way into your heart, brother. And he wasn't kidding. Just the, the greatest group of people. Uh, so, oh, uh, um, there is really, you, you notice... I don't know if you can tell, see this or not, but there's, a, there's a one road that runs along the whole shore on the north. That's the north road. Then there's another road that ru runs along the south. That's the south road. Okay, it's not hard to get around. <laughs> you, got, you got two roads, uh, the north road and the south road. And that's pretty much it. There's a couple of roads that connect in the middle. But what you can't see is basically uh, in the middle, it's all this huge bluff with sheer cliffs of 160 feet in some places. So people pretty much live on the rim all the way around, and the bluff is largely uninhabited, though there are a few houses. Uh, we went up there and poked around. There are a few houses up there, uh, but mainly people live on the rim. Uh, as you can see, all the towns, Creek and Tibbetts Turn and Stake Bay and Spot Bay and all of that, it's all on the north side. Everybody lives in the north. All the locals live on the north, or some locals live on the, on the bluff. Uh, it's the foreigners like us who buy houses on the south side. And so uh, there's just a few houses on the south side, uh, but most people are all on the north. So it was weird for me. The whole time we were there, you basically drive back and forth on one street. That was so weird. <laughs> you know, we're all over, all over the island on one street, back and forth, back and forth. And then, of course, we did cross over and go some other places as well. But uh, a real neat place with great people. So uh, this is the, the little prop plane. It wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was nervous about that thing. Uh, but we got there just fine. And Brother uh, White, there he is. He met me. His wife wasn't able to be there. They're selling their house in the States, and so she was packing up some boxes, and he's going to meet her soon. They're going to uh, close down that house, and uh, they are still transitioning uh, to the church. He's been the pastor for one year, 
Uh, the pastor before him was there for like 50 years or something like that. And um, is, uh, he, he is buried in the, in the churchyard uh, right there. And, and so gave his life for that church. And you'll see the pictures of that in a minute. Really did a great job. The, the previous pastor did a tremendous job leaving an infrastructure uh, for the future pastor. And, and so Pastor White is now trying to revitalize uh, this work because a lot of the buildings have come into disrepair and so forth. So I met Brother Jeff, and he took me over to the mission house. This is the uh, parsonage where the Whites will live, or they are living, I should say. And when you look out those windows, you see this. <clears throat> That's the view from the windows there. They had just had a huge storm when I got there, and that's all anybody was talking about. Pasta Jeff, Pasta Jeff, we had all these rocks in your yard, and we cleaned it out for you, and whatever. It was, it, it was evidently, it was just absolute, uh, I don't know what you want to say, um, carnage. As There was stuff everywhere, but they had already done most of the cleanup by the time we got there. They said it was worse, a worse storm than the Paloma hurricane that struck in 2008. You can't really tell, but there's a, there's a picnic shelter there, and uh, they own across the street right up to the water. So they own a big swath of land uh, up uh, by the water. They'll use that for kids' ministries. There's basketball goal. There's volleyball. They'll use that as part of the camp ministry that they're also trying to start. This is the barge, and everything comes in on the barge. There is... Um, you, just have, you take for granted that you just can't go to the store and get something. There's no Walmart. There's no McDonald's, no fast food. There's nothing on this island except a couple of people have a little mom-and-pop convenience store, um, some souvenir shops, and then some, uh, a couple small restaurants. So everything that, that comes in comes in on a barge, and uh, uh, when they run out, you wait for the next barge. <laughs> Um, this is the bluff. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm looking at the bluff, the water be to my back, and that bluff runs the entire island. So there's a big bluff that separates the north side from the south side. Uh, here's just a few houses, so you see what some of them look like. Uh, the, it was not, it's not a, a real poor island. I, I would not say it's a rich island, but I was uh, glad to see that all of the locals live in a, a house that looks something like this, very simple. They're, they're all small, but they're not living in grass huts or anything like that. They love colors, and they love decorating with the sea, uh, seashells and coral and all that. By the way, uh, this island really does not have sand beach anywhere but one spot on the south side. There's one sand beach. The rest is just coral. Everything is hard, sharp coral. So when you go down to the water, you better have some good shoes on or you slice yourself all up. Um, <clears throat> but it's beautiful. Uh, here's a couple more houses. So that's just kind of your typical view of, of the houses from the street. And there is a boat that came over from Cuba. Every now and then, some folks escape Cuba and they're trying to get to South America but they, or they're trying to get to, uh, well, they wouldn't be trying to get to Miami. That's on the other side. But um, if they get blown off course, they end up at the Cayman Islands, and the Cayman Island government gives them back 
to Cuba. And that's not a, not a welcome thing. So that's 200 miles that someone would have traveled in that boat. And there's, there's like four or five or six all along that coast. I just took a picture of one of them. Oh, here's another one. This boat is actually in the front yard of the pastor's house. That boat had, oh, how many people did he say was in that? Was it six? Okay, I told you six. There we go. Six people came 200 miles in that boat only to be returned to Cuba. That's a bummer. Um, there, as I mentioned, they're known for diving. So this would be a spot where they would dive. You have that, uh, there's a ladder there that goes down and it's crystal clear. You stand on the side and you can just see straight down 12 feet, 15 feet, whatever it is. Uh, I'll just skip through these quickly. That's what the coral beach looks like. It's not really a beach, it's just rock. But all of the rock that you stand on has those designs. Everything is those coral designs. My kids, if they were there, would have had a field day picking up rocks. It's like every single rock was like one of those ones that are one in a million. Well, they're all like that there. Here's a couple. Um, All right, so let's get to the church. Bethel Baptist Church, as I mentioned, is about 100 years old. Uh, They've got a beautiful facility. It's all paid for. Some of the buildings are falling into disrepair, um, and there's so much potential there. This is another view. You see the church building, and then there's a little connecting uh, uh, room there, and then you've got a two-story dormitory. That is where they want to have the camp. So the upstairs would be the boys, the downstairs would be the girls, and there's a, there's a separate bathhouse I'll show you in another picture. Uh, so the camp would actually be on the same site as the church, but then it would also double with that other site that I showed you with the picnic shelter by the lake. They'd have two sites for the camp. And there's a lot of uh, things that they can do. There's hiking trails I'll show you in a minute. Uh, here is the view from the ocean. Now, I'm, I'm not on the road, so I'm on the ocean side. And you can see the fellowship hall, the bathhouse, and then you've got the two-story dormitory and then the church building. The only thing that is really functioning well is the church building. Everything else is unusable at this point. So what they need, <clears throat> and I'll say more about this at the end, but they need uh, some money to, to put into these buildings. They also need some uh, laborers, some teams that can come, uh, swing a hammer and, and paint and build a little bit. It would be a fun trip. Uh, the, all of the, if you're a construction guy, which I'm not, so I don't even know what I'm looking at, but I would imagine if you were a construction guy, you'd go in here and say, oh yeah, we can do this. It's all, it's all there. You know, it's not like the, 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 the floor is caving in or the ceiling is, is, is caving in. All of the structure is there. It's really what's on the inside. The inside is really needing to be ripped out and, and, and uh, done again. So a great potential, and I think that maybe potentially our church could even have a hand in that, uh, either financially or with manpower or a little bit of both. We'll talk more about that, pray about that. This is uh, the church's land. Uh, can you imagine owning right up to the sea? I mean, it is so cool. So uh, they want to actually build out onto the coral. You might think that's a bad idea, but people do it there. Houses are built right on these coral slabs. You can see a concrete wall 
they want to build that wall out, and that wall help, helps to keep some of the water at bay. You can build them really big. The, the high school uh, is right up on the water, but they have a huge wall, and it, it, it keeps out most of the water. Uh, they, so they like to build out and have an outdoor meeting area. The, the Cayman people like to be outside. They don't sit inside. Can you blame them? They all want to be outside. They don't really use a lobby. It never rains. They're just always outside in the parking lot. The parking lot is the lobby, or they come down by the water. That's just how they do it. Now, so I'm looking one way down the coast, and I snap this picture just by turning around, and you'll notice there's a little indentation there. They put that there. They carved that out. That, folks, is the baptistry. How cool is that? That's like the coolest baptistry in the world. Uh, now, normally, the water is completely 100% clear, uh, but since they had this huge storm, uh, a lot of the sea grass came in. So you see a whole bunch of seagrass there. We actually spent a whole day pulling all that seagrass out, and they're going to have to cart that off and burn it, because um, if that is out, that baptistry is crystal clear. The other thing that came in with the seagrass was a bunch of rocks and... I think I had a picture in here somewhere. Let me just see. No, maybe I didn't. Um, oh, yeah, I do. Here it is. All right, so there's the, that's the baptistry. Next picture. I went in after the rocks. There was these huge boulders, some of them about like this. And uh, he and I uh, worked on getting those rocks out of there so that they could have a baptism. There's a pile of rocks on the one side. I just want to get in the water. It was fun. A um, couple other things. I'll come back to the church and talk about their needs in a minute. I'll, I'll just talk about a couple more things about the, the, the city, uh, or the, the, the island. Um, in case of a hurricane, they would climb up the bluff. There's all these stairs that are cut out of the rock, and they would go to Peter's Cave. And this is what they used to use. Now they have storm shelters. Some of the old guards still probably would go into these caves. They would have 100 people in these caves, up 100 and some feet uh, on this bluff, and wait out the storm. Can you imagine? Uh, I'm sure the kids thought it was the coolest thing in the world. They'd bring their beds, they'd bring all their food, all the kids would play hide and seek in the caves. I, mean, I went into this cave, I'm six foot five, it wasn't built for me, but there was corridors everywhere. As soon as you thought you saw it all, you go through a little thing and there's more, you know? I hope they didn't lose any kids in there. But um, it was, so that's where they would uh, avoid the storm. Here's looking out. And yes, it is completely equipped. Hundred, hundred some people in there waiting on the storm. Got to have facilities. All right. There's plenty of wildlife that we saw. Uh, that was cool. Let's see. Oh, the state bird is the chicken. Chickens everywhere. The roosters. Well, I like chickens, but that was a lot of roosters waking me up in the morning. Eventually, you get used to it. We went out soul winning and met some people. This is a guy named Tennyson, 80-some years old. He had so many stories to tell me. He would climb down the 160-foot embankment, find a place on the rock wall where you could stand as a boy, and then fish from the wall. I can't imagine doing that. Like, wouldn't you get pulled off? But that's what they would do. Then they'd put the fish in the basket on their head and climb back up the rock wall. 
Um, so he was, he, we shared the gospel with him for a bit. You can pray for him. This was my soul winning partner. This is Brother Paul. One thing I've loved about missions is you go to a place you've never been, you meet Christians you've never met, and instantly it's like you knew them forever. And Paul was, one, was that way. It was like, man, where's this guy been? I, this guy is a great guy. And he was so godly, so, such an obvious walk with the Lord, soft-spoken gentleman. I, I was his silent partner. He was the lead, and I just was kind of tagging along with him. He did such a good job going door-to-door, uh, talking with these people. He, was, he had a certain way he would do it uh, with his Jamaican accent. He would say uh, something like, Hello, this is, I'm Brother Paul. This is Pastor John. We're out on a missionary journey. And that's what he'd always say. We're out on a missionary journey. And we're inviting people to church and making sure that you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And he'd say, have you been born again? He'd get, that, he'd get right into it. And uh, we had some great conversations. We picked up another soul-winning partner out and about. And that dog, I was at first like, he's going to take our heads off. He was okay. And he tagged along with us, whether we wanted to or not. He was with us the rest of the journey, every single door. That dog was with us. And <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, thankfully, people still answer the door. They must have known the dog. Uh, <clears throat> here's some of the, the pictures of the, the places we knocked on. Oh, this was a nice house we knocked on. This was their view. I had to get a picture of this. And th- this was also their view, looking at the... That's the high school running track and the big wall that they built to keep the water out of it. Pray for a guy named Valentine. We shared the gospel with this guy at at length, and he started off so opposed. And Paul and I both talked about it later. It was like there was a point in the conversation where something just changed. His body language changed, everything changed. He leaned up against the, the wall of the car, And all of a sudden, he was listening, and God was convicting him. He did not ask the Lord to save him at that moment. But I'll tell you this, he was under conviction. And he said, I want to go home and think about this. So he took the gospel tracts, and Paul knows him, knows where to find him. Paul's going to follow up with him. He's got five kids. Uh, He's a couple years older than me. uh, And it was just neat to see God take a dead-end conversation and turn it around. There's plenty of folks like that. Uh, nobody is in a hurry to go anywhere. So door-to-door soul winning on this island worked particularly well. There are places where door-to-door soul winning doesn't work as well. I know in my dad's uh, neck of the woods, they have all these gated communities that are locked. The gates are locked. You can't even get in. Uh, but this, this place, everyone just sits and talks. Here's another, another visit. There are times where, that's with Pastor Jeff, there are times where we went out uh, to make some visits and I would get a little antsy. I'm thinking, we've been here for like 15 minutes. Aren't we supposed to go on? And they're not going anyplace. (laughs) They're just sitting there. And I realized, okay, this is island style. I got to just breathe, relax, slow down. It's okay. We can sit here and in fellowship. Uh, it It was fun listening to them talk and they laughed. They loved to laugh. Uh, just sweet people. And they know how to do birthdays. I got to show you this. Everybody who went to Sister Valda's birthday had a t-shirt. 
I, I, I was like, you got to be kidding me. I, I have to wear this to go to a birthday. Hey, maybe it's like the birthday garment or, or uh, the, the wedding garment. Uh, I don't know. But Sister Valda turned 84, and they treated her like a queen. Had a head table with a big banner and T-shirts, and they had a guy come in, uh, set up his sound system, and they sang all this uh, Jamaican music or, and Kamenian music, uh, a lot of catchy island-style things. And, and people just came up and showered her with uh, love and, and compliments. And about 150 or maybe to 250 people came to her party from all over the island. This lady is a, a faithful lady in the church, and it was just neat to see her testimony and how many people loved her. Sunday, Brother Paul is leading the, the singing there, and then I was able to preach Sunday school, Sunday morning, and Sunday night. They had a great crowd. I was so thrilled about that. Uh, great crowd of people, and Pastor Jeff was encouraged, and he's hoping that uh, some of those visitors will come back. He's going to follow up on them. And they're, they're really asking the Lord to send them some youth. The church used to have tons of youth. Uh, the pastor uh, got very, very elderly and very sick. And uh, all of the youth just kind of went other places. And then he was, he was bedridden, I think, for two years. And Brother Paul was just kind of keeping it going and then he passed away, and they had no church for about four years. So the church really has not had a lot of help for a while. Uh, but they are encouraged that God is starting to awaken things again. Uh, this is a picture of the beach, the only beach in the whole place with sand. This is the picture of it. And uh, I, I went there with Brother Jeff, and uh, he said, you know, this is the first time I've been to the beach. I thought, really? He said, well, I didn't come here for the beach. I came here for the work. I've been, I've been busy. And uh, he has just d dove in and been a great blessing. Pray for several things here. Pray for funds for the renovations. They're trying to renovate the Fellowship Hall. Uh, the Fellowship Hall is, I want to say beautiful because I can see it being beautiful. It's not beautiful right now. But like everything is there, you could make it beautiful. It's just the inside needs a lot of work. So the Fellowship Hall, uh, pray about that. And then the dormitory, they want to use that for a couple of things. They want to use the dormitory for the summer camps with boys and girls. They also want to use the dormitory to house missions teams that can come in and help with various projects and, and outreach on the island. Um, they also are going to work on the bathhouse. Uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting. Oh, they're going to do some renovations in the auditorium. So they're, they're, it's, this is years overdue. Uh, but just pray they can raise the funds and, and also the labor necessary to get that done. The revitalization of the youth ministry there. There are um, two schools on the island. And a lot of the, one thing we noticed as we went out visiting, a lot of the younger people see the church as grandma's thing. It's not really my thing. And there is a coldness that is definitely coming in toward uh, the things of the Lord. And so that needs to be revitalized there. They're very burdened about that. The camp ministry and the youth ministry. And just pray for church growth. Uh, they really dwindled. Uh, the church has seating for, I don't even know how many. It, it's, it's a good size um, auditorium with a little offshoot wing to the side with pews there as well. And it used to all be full, but the church is kind of uh, dwindled. So let's pray for the church to grow and deepen in their, 
in their walk of faith. And then pray for the, the White family as they're transitioning and uh, selling their house in Oshkosh, Oshkosh and looking to just dive in down there. I'll tell you, for people, I know you say, oh, Cayman Islands, you know, and everyone has uh, this idea, of, oh, the Pastor Jeff must be down there snorkeling and scuba diving all the time. Well, I was there. We didn't snorkel. We didn't scuba dive. I would have loved to. But uh, there's a lot of work to do. Um, you know, 2,000 people on an island, is, it will keep one guy busy for sure. The other churches, just so you know, the other churches do one service a week. Um, all of the pastors are uh, much older. Some of them had, I met, I met some of them, uh, some health problems. There's not a lot going on at those churches. Uh, really, there's not a lot going on at all. Uh, so Brother Jeff is one of the few guys who's actually trying to reach the island, and I believe God's honoring that. So pray for them, pray for their transition. Pray that God will uh, give us wisdom as a church with how we can be a help to them. So we will, I'll give you updates as I get them from Brother Jeff, and uh, we'll just continue to see what God does there. Thank you for praying for our, uh, the trip uh, and, and for the, the safety there. God really blessed. We're going to close with this verse. Brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. And then the next verse says, that, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you. Actually, could you click with it for me now, John? I can't click and read at the same time. Uh, the Lord is faithful, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you, that ye both do and will do the things which we command you. And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the patient waiting for Christ. I thought this was a great passage to close with as we think about praying for Brother Jeff and his wife Faith, their family, and as we pray for uh, the work there. But not just them, but any missionary. We've got uh, Hannah Boss is over, overseas as well. We've got to be praying for her and our other missionaries. How can we pray for them? Well, I'm just going to go through this quickly Give us a few things, just bang, bang, bang from this passage. If you're going to pray for a missionary effectively, first of all, pray for them. He comes right out with it in the first verse. Pray for us. He's not bashful to ask prayer for us. He didn't say right off the bat, uh, pray for souls, pray for a big church. He says, pray for us, and then, and then he gets into the rest. But we need to pray for the White family and pray for our missionaries personally. They are real people. I think sometimes in my prayer life when I pray for missionaries, a lot of times, I, I hate to say it, I have been guilty of just praying for the work, praying for souls to be saved, praying for the church, and I forget to pray for them. Folks, we have to start with that. They're real people with real needs. We don't just pray for the ministry. The ministry will not be there if they are not uh, receiving the nourishment that they need from the Lord. So brethren, pray for us. The missionary is the most important prayer target, him and his family, even more important than the mission. So let's pray for Brother Jeff and his wife Faith. They've got four kids. I think one or two are married, and then one's in college and one's at home. 
um, they, they have needs. And I'll tell you, it's lonely on that island. I was there for one week, and I realized, wow, this could get, I could see how this could get lonely. You, I would get up, I'd go for a run every morning, and I'd go down by this one rock uh, that I would sit on, have my devotions, and it was a rock right on the, on the water, and the spray would come and hit me some. It was the only rock that was smooth that I could sit on. <laughs> There's not a lot of smooth rocks. Uh, I sat there, and, and I remember just thinking, wow, I am on an itty-bitty island in the middle of the ocean, and nobody knows I'm here. Well, no, our people know I'm here, but like, you feel like, it's weird, you feel really, really small, especially when you get in the car and you have the option of going west or east. <laughs> you just go back and forth. Uh, on the, it's like, wow, this is something else. Um, no Walmart, what are we going to do? Well, hey, you're not lonely if you're in the will of God with God's presence and the prayers of God's people ministering to you. But otherwise, yeah, you're gonna, you can get real, real lonely real quick. So let's pray for them for that. Also, he says, pray that the word of the Lord may have free course. So first, we're going to pray for them, the missionary. And then secondly, pray for the word to have free course. Now we're going to pray for the mission. Um, he says specifically, free course and be glorified even as it is with you. So we need to pray for open doors and opportunities and liberty in those opportunities. Free course, liberty to preach and minister, and that God is glorified in all that is done. Not a man's ministry, but look at what God hath wrought. Pray for us, pray for the word to have free course, and then pray against opposition. That next verse, this is real, folks. It says that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. You know, there's unreasonable, wicked, faithless men who like to withstand missionaries. Say, well, not. They're on the island, I'm sure. 2,000 people, they all get along. Nope. This is being live streamed, so I want to be careful, but uh, while I was there, I was able to understand that there are certain people on the island who are very much not in favor of what is going on and uh, working against the ministry there. And it's like, are you serious? Are you kidding me? Who is going to, uh, some people maybe who even know better, uh, why would you do this? Well, this has been the way it's been since missions began. And we've needed to pray. Pray that they may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Let's pray against the opposition of unreasonable, wicked men who are faithless. Then, two more. Pray as those who know firsthand God's faithfulness. He says this, he says, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. He's asking them to pray for him. And he says, I need you to look to his faithfulness. I need you to be established. He's depending on their prayers. So pray as those who know firsthand God's faithfulness, established in your position in Christ, looking to Christ for protection from evil. You know, if we get sucked into evil, then we're no longer praying. So we need to pray about 
that as well. And then obedient to God's commands. That was that next verse where it says, uh, and have confidence in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things which we command you. When God says it, we need to obey. And then finally, verse 5 says, and the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God and in the patient waiting for Christ. We need to continue to walk in the love of God, waiting patiently for Christ to move in prayer for Christ's return, but we're waiting on Him. And as we pray for uh, Brother Jeff, I know that those things right there in that passage will be a great blessing to his ministry. Well, let's pray for the other uh, uh, missionaries that we are privileged to support, and let's be faithful to uphold them in prayer. You know, folks, we are blessed in this country beyond measure. You go over on a missions trip, and it reminds you what you have. And, you know, Cayman Brack is not abject poverty and all of that, but it wasn't America. And it was beautiful, but it still wasn't America. <laughs> uh, it's, it's something to, to think about. All the other places in this world that have yet to, to really see God break through there, and or to continue to break through. Um, we're privileged here, but we need to exercise that privilege in prayer.